Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, August 24th. A new highly mutated COVID variant has shown up in several countries. Can we expect to see this latest variant here in Canada and should we be concerned? We discuss with Dr. Isaac Bogosh, infectious disease physician and scientist from the Toronto General Hospital. Next, we catch up with Deborah Yedlin, president and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. This time out, Deborah shares the Chamber's views on the current housing and affordability crisis and what action the organization would like to see from the federal government. And finally, Canada's population is aging and the risk of dementia could add strain on our health care system. We hear details on a new study focusing on how you can reduce your risk for dementia by up to 40% through simple lifestyle changes. Fall isn't far away, and with cooler temperatures in the forecast, we could see a rise in COVID cases. A new highly mutated COVID variant has already popped up in Israel, Denmark, the U.S., and the U.K., but will we see it here in Canada? Joining us to discuss is Dr. Isaac Bogach, uh, infectious disease physician and scientist based out of the Toronto General Hospital. Good morning to you, Dr. Bogosh. Good morning. I know we're going to talk all about COVID, but I got to tell you, I'm standing right now in downtown Toronto and listening to the traffic earlier on on your radio station. Mm -hmm. I'm from Calgary originally. Yes. And I knew every route and how to go around all those blockages and it brought back some wonderful memories. Well, in fact, I here I am uh, dropping my uh, two teen girls off at high school to start the year last year and lo and behold, on the wall of fame at Henry Wisewood High School is Dr. Isaac Bogosh. What a great place. I love that place. I made so many good friends there. Yeah, absolutely. We're not going to ask you what year you graduated, but uh, I'm glad you still have connections to Calgary. So, yeah, let's get down to the brass tacks. I thought we were done talking about COVID. Obviously not the case. This latest variant. Tell us about it, what we know about it, and should we be concerned, doctor? Well, thank you to uh, Miss Sandy Searle at Henry Wiseman High School, the science teacher. We're now all ready and uh, to respond to this. I mean, we, we know that these variants are always going to emerge. COVID is always going to mutate. There's this one variant that you mentioned, BA 2.86, that was discovered in several countries around the world. I think we're, I think we're at maybe nine or ten sequences globally. So let's let's not pretend that we know everything about this. It just the the, the mutations of this of this particular uh, variant uh, makes one raise an eyebrow because it looks it it, it looks like it has the potential to cause you know either more transmissible illness or you know or or you know maybe a wave but i think the real issue here is we don't know enough about it that's that's the big issue and the other point too is whether or not 2.86 takes off or not it's it's almost irrelevant because regardless of the circulating variant we know we're going to see a rise in cases in the fall we've seen that every single year for the last few years and we know what COVID can do. Obviously, it's not 2020 anymore, but of course, we know it disproportionately impacts more vulnerable people, such as older individuals or individuals with underlying medical conditions. And we know how to protect those individuals with the tools that we have. So, Dr. Bogosh, I mean, the kids are headed back to school starting next week in some cases. I'm thinking, assuming then this will lead to a rise in cases with this new variant and otherwise. Is this time we just get the, the booster shot or do we wait for the booster? Or what do you feel about that? So a couple things. You know, we know this virus is primarily transmitted through the air in indoor settings, especially when there's multiple people in a, a setting. We have the opportunity to infect more people in those in those settings. Okay, that's how it's transmitted. We also know that the vaccines early in the pandemic 
before the virus was at a, a, a mutated state where which it's at right now, the vaccines did a good job in preventing infection and onward transmission. However, now we know the vaccines are not nearly as good at doing that. They do it to a little bit, but not to the same extent. The vaccines really stand up against providing us with pretty significant protection against more severe manifestations of the virus, such as hospitalization and death. Um, the vaccine vaccines will likely roll out in Canada in fall sometime late September uh, and you know I, when we listened to the National Advisory Committee on Immunizations the recommendations were hey these vaccines are going to be available people can get them it's especially important for those at highest risk for severe manifestations of the virus to get the vaccine when it comes out. I want to ask you this and it, it might be a bit of a complex question Dr. Bogosh we had our original COVID-19 we are very familiar with that. We knew there were some variants. We've got so many people did our best to, to roll out vaccination campaigns and promote the vaccination. How often do we have an existing virus? People are vac- vaccinated. We, I'm not sure if we can consider it herd immunity. Do we see uh, the virus mutating uh, to something stronger? Is, is, is that generally uh, happen or would it be an odd case that we'd see stronger versions coming down the line as we get further away from the original COVID-19? It absolutely can happen, and it absolutely does happen. And just because a virus mutates, it doesn't mean it's going to mutate to, the technical term is a less virulent form of the virus, meaning it packs less of a punch. It certainly can, but it doesn't have to. And we saw that with COVID. You can see that with other viruses. In fact, influenza, we see influenza, the flu, every single year. Some years, it's worse than others. Some years, it packs more of a punch than others. Some years are, are, you know, not as significant. It's still a nasty virus. You should still get your flu shot and still take steps to protect yourself from the flu. But certainly we see with flu, some years are way worse than others. Uh, And of course, we've seen that with circulating COVID variants as well. I think the other important thing with COVID, though, is that we're not what we would call an immuno-naive population anymore. Think of the 40 million Canadians. Just about every one of us has either A, received a vaccine or more, B, been infected and recovered from infection, or C, all of the above. And again, I'm not saying we should get infected. That's the opposite. We don't want people to get infected. But you just can't ignore that recovery from infection gives you some immune response. And that that, that population level immunity really is helping protect us from at a population level, more severe manifestations of the virus. Notice, however, the last year and a half, our healthcare system hasn't imploded because of one single infection, COVID-19. Whereas you remember in 2021, Alberta ran out of ICU beds. Ontario, where I'm sitting, ran out of ICU beds. The hospitals were full of patients with COVID-19. It's still here, it's still an issue, but it's not nearly the same degree of an issue as it once was, and that's largely related to the community level protection we get from immunity through vaccination and recovery from infection. Dr. Bogosh, I just want to roll back to the, you know, the getting the, the booster shot then. Is it important that we, we get it for the kids heading back to school? I know you talked about the higher risk and obviously those are the ones that we really need to worry about most, but should we get this, this new booster when it comes out? Will it be able to tackle this new variant and, and those moving forward? So I'm going to defer comment until we hear more from the National okay. Advisory Committee on Immunization. Normally I don't punt, but we don't actually know, so I don't want to. I don't want to state something that's incorrect. So we'll we'll hear more and we'll have more clarity in the weeks ahead. The second point is, regardless of the variant and regardless of the vaccine, 
the vaccines will do a good job in protecting against more severe manifestations of the infection. So we have to step back and think about what are our goals. Is the goal to stop infection or prevent infection? If that's the goal, I think some people are going to be disappointed. Yes, the vaccine will be able to do that to a limited extent for a shorter period of time. We absolutely have to acknowledge that. But it's 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 not the same degree as what once was, for example, in, in, in 2021, early, where we saw what these vaccines were really good at stopping infection and transmission. So this will reduce it to a smaller extent, but it really, the heavy lifting is going to be on preventing severe manifestations of the virus. If you look at the United Kingdom, for example, and I'll, I'll, I know this is a long-winded answer, but it's important. The United Kingdom just came out with their vaccine strategy for the fall and they're not vaccinating the entire population they're not they're vaccinating high-risk individuals healthcare professionals who work with high-risk individuals and family members who live in with with uh with higher risk individuals that's generally who they're vaccinating they're not making a blanket statement saying everyone go out and get the vaccine i'll be very curious to see what the national advisory committee on immunization does but we just haven't heard from them yet absolutely thank you so much for the update we appreciate it i know it's been uh, circulating and we wanted to tackle the topic thanks dr bogosh my pleasure. Happy to chat. Thank you. It's Dr. Isaac Bogosh, infectious disease physician and scientist based out of Toronto General Hospital. And affordability and housing are going to be in the spotlight when the government returns for the fall session. It's obviously something that's important right across this country and, yes, certainly here in Calgary and across our province. Well, joining us to talk about the issues at all levels of government and what they need to focus on this fall is Deborah Yedlin, President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber. Hi, Deb. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. When we think about this issue, obviously it's very broad and it is a, a, a countrywide problem, but let's focus in on what you and your team do with the Calgary Chamber and and how we need to look at it locally. So, you know, if it comes to the uh, issue of affordable housing, this is something that we've started. It's it's one of those issues that's really been building. And I think it it's caught a lot of people by surprise in terms of how fast housing prices have risen and how fast rental rates have risen. We know we've had the fastest rate increase in rental properties in the country in terms of percentage increases. So, you know, it's it's something that we have to deal with because if we want to continue to say that we are an affordable place to live, yes, we don't have a sales tax, so let's just put that out there. But still, we need to be able to have that affordable housing for everyone. And so what we know is that there's, you know, the, the housing affordability task force recommendations were put forward, so that's great. But we still need to figure out what to do. And so from a, you know, on, at, at a high level, every dollar invested in addressing homelessness or houselessness in social and economic value is created. So it's a really interesting, you know, when you start to look at what we need to do broadly speaking. And the dollars. The dollars, yeah. I mean, this is something that's, it's it's a win for everyone if we really think about how to address it. So it's absolutely something that we are uh, very uh, focused on and we are really looking for um, changes that will make it easier for developers to acquire land, build housing, foster collaborative relationships within the, the neighborhoods. And the housing sector, it's just, it's really, this is an issue we know that, as you said, everybody's facing it across the country. Yeah, it is interesting because, yeah, we're the land of plenty here and opportunity, but hit by the same issues again, coast to coast to coast. But, you know, when you talk about, you know, where we are as a city right now, and we talk about the complexities when it comes to housing, is is that it? There are so many players from the local, provincial, federal, the builders, the lenders. Is that it? Because it's not just a one discussion in one meeting and then there's the labor piece oh yeah there's yeah. that well paying for labor <laughs> you know, it's not cheap that it, getting the, labor. just getting the labor i mean this is this is something that we hear 
over and over again. It doesn't matter what sector you're in. Everybody is looking for that next unit of labor. And, you know, when we talk about electricity and how we have to change the grid and what we have to do from that perspective, that's a labor pool. When we look at the Pathways Alliance and the carbon capture projects that are that are on the table, that's another big pull on labor. Where are we going to get everybody? And then talk to the builders. They need framers. They need carpenters. They need all the trades. And there's just not enough people going into the trades. So that labor piece is absolutely huge. And that's actually something we really, really have to address. So, I mean, how do you talk to your businesses within the chamber then? I mean, what do you do? And it's it's a lofty issue that we can't solve locally. No, and it, I mean, you know, from a labor perspective, obviously that's an immigration issue, but it's also how do you make sure that everybody sort of pursues a, 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 an educational path that makes, that gives them a, a meaningful, giving the ability to, to have a meaningful con- contribution. So it's, it's multifactorial, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's federal, it's provincial, it's, it is municipal as well. JT's getting the band back together in Ottawa after a bit of a, a bit of a sabbatical, so to speak. And of course, housing—what we're focusing on right now. But what else do you expect the government to be focusing on when they return? On a federal level, we know that you know we, we, right now we're dealing with the clean electricity regulations because those were tabled, and there's comments due in November. The investment tax credits for carbon capture and storage. As, and carbon capture utilization and storage, those comments are due on the 8th of September. So we're waiting to see, you know, that that's something that we're focused on as well. But I just wanted, you know, that's at a federal level, but on a, you know, on a municipal level, remember that we're still dealing with the, um, um, when, when, when the city council convenes, the property tax issue yeah. still front yeah. and center. And our survey, we had an early survey and it, what we saw was 91% of respondents said that they've been adversely impacted by by uh, rising property taxes. And 43% of respondents have seen monthly increases of more than $1,000 in their property tax bills in the last year. So take that, add on where we are from an interest rate perspective, and then there's the labor inflation and, and housing rates, costs, energy, electricity costs. I mean, it, there are so many issues that we're dealing with locally, just right on the ground from yeah, a business standpoint. How do you standpoint. fix it? What are you going to do? I, I'm <laughs> going to ask for a magic wand. Um, time this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's just, it's, it's, it's there's, scary, isn't it's it? It's very complicated. And yeah. I don't think, you know, when you, when, you, when you sort of dial it back, when have we seen this confluence of events? It's been a very long time since so we've seen all these factors rising at the same time. It's very challenging from a from a business standpoint. Government's getting back, and it seems to like something we discussed on the program, Deborah, which is that it's almost like another new year come September, yeah. not just January. Uh, do you feel the same way at the chamber? And do you have uh, lots of things to kick off the September in the in the fall uh, session yeah. of life? Yeah, well, that's absolutely true. You know, January first might be the first of the year, but the, it, that's the calendar year. But for everybody, the reset is when kids go back to school and uh, government comes back into session. So for us, actually, we hit the ground running. On the sixth of September, which is the you know uh, is the first week after Labor Day, so Wednesday, mm-hmm. we are hosting Chris Dinsdale, the new president and CEO of the of the airport, and and then on the seventh, uh, we're hosting the Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem. Oh wow! He's going to be uh, just fresh off his economic update and potentially an interest rate hike the day before, <sighs> and first time that he's been gonna be going to be giving us a fall economic update in Calgary in quite a long time. So. Uh, that's what we're, we're those, are, those are the two events right out of the shoot. Uh, are there still tickets available? Tickets and do you available. need to be a member of the Calgary Chamber? No, nope, you do go? not need to be a member. Just go to calgarychamber.com. You can buy tickets for either one of those events or anything else that we're doing um, in uh, in Calgary in the fall. Okay. Let's back it up to Tiff and ask him if he can lend me a hundred bucks when you, when you see him. <laughs> um, but what do, you, what do you think? You know, the day before he's going to be, will he announce, well, there will be an announcement. Are we going up or going down? And what would the impact be if we do see another increase? From It'll the- have happened already. 
On so the sixth? he no the day before. Okay. Oh, so fifth. yeah, so we will okay. actually have an op- opportunity for a uh, to yell at him. A, yeah. Well, to ask him questions. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yes, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, just sort of talk about what uh, you know, what the reasoning behind the the rate hike is, and what the prospects are, what and the outlook for the Canadian economy going forward. And will this be the last interest rate hike? That's a good question. But you've got a crystal ball back at the chamber. What what do you see? I think that as we continue to see um, interest, you know, inflation not necessarily come down to where where um, governments would like it and where the Bank of Canada would like it, I think we might see one more rate hike. That's oh, wow. twenty five basis points. I, you know, when you but when you sort of start to peel back the onion, you, you see that you know it's energy costs, it's food costs, and those two things are driven by exogenous variables, namely what's been going on overseas. Ukraine yeah. uh, has all those geopolitical factors are affecting our inflation rate, and there's only so much that can be done to uh, to deal with that. So it's going to be very. It's I I'm, I don't envy him. I don't envy Jay Powell, the Federal Reserve either. It's uh, it's it's a tough time for 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 uh, anybody who's trying to figure out what to do next. Truly, uh, for businesses, maybe they get a helping hand by being part of the Calgary Chamber, get some tips, some tricks, well, some, some and, backup. And right? advocacy, you yeah. know, because we do talk to all levels of government. And so we convene ministers and deputy ministers, and we also get everybody in the room to say, okay, help us understand what exactly the issues are. And so what we do is we turn around and, and, and then develop a, a submission to the government, set up meetings so that people understand what, what's, what the impact is on the ground. Tickets policies. to those events that Deb spoke about and to join the Chamber, get all the information you need, calgarychamber.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me this morning. Appreciate it. President and CEO of the Calgary Chamber, Deborah Yedlin. New research shows how some simple lifestyle changes might just reduce your risk of developing dementia by as much as 40%. Joining us to talk about the details and steps you can take today to reduce your risk in the future is Stephanie Tremblay, PhD candidate in medical physics at Concordia University. Good morning, Stephanie. Thanks for being with us. Morning, Sue. Good morning, Andy. Thanks for having me. Stephanie, can you break down the research a little bit? What were you looking for and hoping to achieve? Yeah, so this is actually a very influential report that was published in The Lancet in 2020. Um, essentially, in this report, they, they talk about um, the fact that about 40% of dementia cases can be attributed to modifiable risk factors. So those are, are factors that, um, that, that that we can act on by, by doing lifestyle changes, like we're talking about uh, physical activity, nutrition, alcohol consumption, and so on. Um, so in theory, if, if we act on those factors, uh, we could prevent up to 40% of dementia, which is a largely untapped uh, avenue uh, so far as we focus more on, on trying to find a cure and trying to uh, find pills right, to, to combat this disease. Does it matter uh, when we talk about, uh, Stephanie, does it matter when we talk about the age that you start and initiate these lifestyle changes, if I do them later in life, or is this something that you will have had to do for years to, to uh, benefit from? That's a great question and a very active area of research. Um, of course, the earlier, the better. Um, some of these factors also include um, level of education. So, of course, if uh, this has to be started early, right, motivating kids to pursue their education. Um, and also, it's a great time to instill good lifestyle habits like physical activity and healthy uh, eating habits. 
Um, so I would for sure always advocate for, um, you know, doing these, uh, adopting these healthy lifestyle uh, habits it's as early as possible, uh, starting uh, as a kid. Uh, but of course, um, it's, it's never too late um, to, to take a positive turn and make changes to, to better your health. Stephanie, we know the population in Canada is aging, obviously. So how does this put more of a strain on the healthcare system with rising dementia cases? Is it more than just the dollars involved in treatment, et cetera? Yes, of course, it's going to be a lot of also human resources uh, to take care of uh, all the people that are likely going to get dementia, including Alzheimer's, uh, in the next uh, few decades. So we're expecting to reach about 1.7 million Canadians um, having dementia by 2050. Um, so, of course, this is going to put a lot of uh, strain on also the people that have to to take care, so the often the the loved ones take a lot of the care, taking responsibilities, um, and then our healthcare system, which is already under a lot of pressure, will uh, face even more pressure. And um, as we're seeing with uh, also the new drugs um, that have been approved, uh, that are going to require uh, a lot of. Um, a, a, a lot of um, med medical professional to administer because those are injections. Um, so it's every two weeks and uh, it requires MRIs. It requires a lot of follow-up uh, medical visits. So I, I, I do expect that it's going to affect um, also uh, the time uh, that people will have to, to put in to, to take care of, of people affected. We are speaking with Stephanie Tremblay, PhD candidate in medical physics at Concordia University. And Stephanie, uh, looking at uh, some of the notes in the research, I, I found this interesting uh, that we have uh, quite a few factors, but more than anything, more than a couple of cases that are underdetected when it comes to dementia in Canada. Why are they hard to detect or why are they underdetected in our nation? Um, yes, yeah, so this is uh, probably due to, to a few factors. Uh, first of all, there's the belief that these cognitive deficits, uh, so, you know, uh, forgetting to do things, uh, forgetting uh, what we did in the morning, uh, that these, you know, changes in memory and so on are normal when we age. Um, and to some extent, yes, like we, we will lose some of our sharpness, but... Um, but, but I think this is a myth and right that I think these changes in cognition need to be acknowledged um, as, as a problem, right, as a sign of disease. Uh, and it is more and more acknowledged, but it's still, uh, there's still a gap there. Um, also, uh, for, you know, as long as we've known about Alzheimer's, there hasn't been really any efficient uh, treatments for it. Um, so I believe also one of the reasons why it was not detected, it was sort of the fact that we thought, well, there's no treatment for it anyway, so what's the what, what's the use of diagnosing it? Um, but now, as I said, we have some uh, new treatments that are coming up that are uh, promising, and also more and more evidence is accumulating on the um, on these lifestyle factors that, that can have uh, a great impact also um, on your likelihood of developing dementia uh, and on, you know, just maintaining brain health and aging in general. So, Stephanie, I mean, you, you know, we've talked about it. We need to be physically, mentally, socially active. Are there drugs that can help with dementia? Or is that still something that, you know, we're really working on and, and hopefully, you know, coming to some sort of, uh, you know, a drug that will that will really help as we move down the line? 
So there are actually, um, so in the last year, uh, there's been two drugs that are uh, approved now, uh, and these are said to be disease-modifying therapies. Um, so they've been slow, shown to slow cognitive decline um, by acting on a protein in the brain uh, that um, so this is the hypothesis of Alzheimer that as this protein accumulates in the brain, um, this protein is toxic, so it damages uh, brain cells. Uh, so by acting on these uh, proteins, the, these drugs have been shown to slow down the cognitive decline in these people, but that's over a period uh, uh, the of 18 months, uh, the, the length of the clinical trial. So it remains to be seen if those changes will will continue past the trial period. Uh, but yes, so far we have those two drugs that are approved and one that is uh, also showing positive results. So it will probably be approved in um, the next year. Um, so yes, we do have some treatments that are sh uh, showing pro promises, but um, I think in our system, we, we need to put more emphasis on the prevention aspect um, because yeah, those drugs are not necessarily going to work for everyone. And uh, obviously, it's better if we can just um, eradicate the source um, of those changes in the brain in the first place instead of, of trying to, uh, to intervene later. But yes, I think the combination of the two, you know, those emerging treatments and the lifestyle factors will, will be the, the key in the future. Stephanie, uh, how do we compare as a nation when it comes to not just the research, but the resources available for those living with dementia? Uh, do we know how Canada stacks up globally? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I have not looked into that specifically, uh, but I was very surprised to um, realize when I was uh, doing research on this, uh, that Canada, despite being a high-income country, uh, still has a like, rate of undetected dementia case that exceeds 60%. Uh, so I think we have a long way to go to, to be where we should be in terms of detection. Um, and in terms of care of dementia, that's that's an area that I've, I haven't looked at um, into that in that much detail. Stephanie, we really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Thank Have you. a great day. Thanks, you too. Stephanie Tremblay, PhD candidate in medical physics, studying uh, at Concordia University.